Hello and welcome to Dragons the Mines, the podcast about what happens on, around, and behind the tabletop. I'm joined today, as always, by Greg. Hello. And we will be reviewing Battle Gnomes. But first, let's talk about what we've been playing. Yeah, for sure. Um, so this past weekend, I had a chance to play in a, an RPG that a friend of mine is running called Delta Green, Divided We Fall. I believe that that's the name of the campaign, and the system that we're using is a slightly modified version of Call of Cthulhu Modern. So we are paranormal investigators. This is taking place in the year 2017. Long story short, the Mayan apocalypse was supposed to happen in 2012. It didn't, in part because this task force, Delta Green, stopped it. There were huge numbers of federal government agents amongst the dead, and U.S. government leaders basically said, what the fuck happened in Mexico City? It was explained to them what happened in Mexico City, and they were like, oh my god, please protect us from things. Here is funding. You can do whatever you want with basically no oversight. So now we are those agents, and we are running around the country uh, in the context of the game, we've been together for about three years. Some of us have been with the organization longer, some of us shorter, but the group as it stands has been together for around three years. And our current mission has taken us to the deserts of Arizona, mm-hmm. where a bunch of people have been reported missing, and we are there to investigate. We don't necessarily know that anything paranormal is happening, or at least we didn't. We do now. But... Yeah, we we go out and we see what's up and we interact with the locals and we maybe kill some monsters. There you go. And also for this game, I remember you saying that there are, what, 16 people in the game? It's huge. It's not that big, but technically the, the party is nine players. We were almost all there for the first session, which was about as chaotic as you would imagine. Lots of crosstalk, lots of, you know, just table talk, which... You know, is to be expected. It's hard to avoid with a group that big, but it did definitely cause some frustrations both for the players and also for the GM. So for subsequent sessions, we're going to basically say that six players is quorum. Mm-hmm. You know, the GM is comfortable running a session if there's only six players. And I think that's a good policy just because when you get that many people around a table, you know, even the most disciplined players are going to have trouble continuing to pay attention. They're going to have trouble not fidgeting, not you know, talking amongst themselves simply because you can't do action that involves all of those people at one time. But yeah, I'm I'm definitely looking forward to, you know, future sessions where it's slightly smaller, slightly more manageable, and we can maybe have fewer tensions. Yeah, of course. And I, I mean, like, that's just always a difficult thing anyway, when you're having that many people interested and all that. I think that in our friend group itself, there's been a lot of times that recently, especially, that we've been going towards having a larger pool of players just because a lot of people just can't make it certain times and just like you know are away doing something there's a chaotic schedules in general yeah definitely so i i think this whole system of just being able to like say all right if six of these people are going to be here or four or five or whatever it is we're, we're going to run it we're yeah. just going to go and we're going to do it yeah. and that's it and I think that that's really a cool system. And I think that, you know, we tried it with the League of One Shots that we had here. It was all right. But I think that it really is going to shine when we start doing like mini campaigns of like three sessions, something like that. 
And that actually brings us to the next thing that we've been doing, which is we have been creating Starfinder characters. Yeah, we haven't had a chance to play yet, but as Jacob mentioned about putting together sort of a series of short three to five session campaigns, rather than having people commit to, you know, once a week for an indefinite amount of time, we'd say, okay, this is going to take about this long. Who can commit to this time, this day for the next month or so? Mm -hmm. Uh, And then you run those. It's completely self-contained. And then switch up the scenario and the great thing about this is that not only does it give people more freedom and sort of more flexibility with regards to when they play and when they don't it also allows whoever is gming to maybe step down for a bit and play a character because i know you know as someone who's gm'd as someone whose friends frequently gm one of the things that feels really great is finally actually being able to be on the other side of the table and get to mm-hmm. play with these characters who you've you know you've had in the back of your mind you've designed them from day one yeah but they've been sitting there unused because you've had to run games for other players not only that but it's also pretty cool to actually be able to interact with the world that you're helping to run which is awesome because like with these kinds of things like we're all going to be in similar kinds of worlds like the base of it is all going to be the same and like you know if there's any kind of lore question or something like that i'm sure the gms are going to come together and like you know make the decision absolutely but it's just like you get to you know meet this npc that you created or you know this player character that has been the bane of your existence you're now working side by side with them so it it can be very interesting and a lot of fun i've i've definitely enjoyed the other times that we're doing it and we did similar things but also just in general i am really looking forward to starfinder yeah it seems like a really great system for those of you who haven't heard of it starfinder is the new system from paizo it is basically pathfinder in space in fact it takes place in the same universe as pathfinder canonically humans in the starfinder system come from the planet galarian in the starfinder mythos galarian has disappeared but mm-hmm. they came from there nonetheless. And there's lots of familiar names, familiar races for anyone who's played the Iron Gods, Adventure Path, for example, or any other supplemental materials. They sort of buff it up. You know, it's not just a reskin. There's also some mechanical differences. The classes are flavored very differently. It's not just, you know, this is a clear rogue analog. This is a clear fighter analog. There is that to some extent. But, you know, the operative, who some might say is the space rogue, also has a bunch of other things and they could almost be sort of a combat oriented ranger or they could be even uh you know a bard if they decide to go a little bit more face or there's just a bunch of different things that you can do because the classes themselves have so much versatility built in yeah exactly and they're just really cool i I like that they're working on like doing a little bit more unique in terms of like classes and not just seeing like, oh, space rogue, oh, space warrior, oh, yeah. space wizard. Like, you know, you, you have different ways of doing it. And, and the setting itself seems really cool. Yeah. I mean, there are cities in the sun. Yeah, that was one thing that was extremely surprising to learn was just like, oh, hey, there are cities inside the sun. That's really weird. We should check that out. Yep, exactly. So, so I mean, like, I'm really looking forward to trying it out and just playing a character flying around on a starship that... It will be a lot of fun. Yeah, definitely. Me too. And last but not least, we also had the opportunity to sit down recently with Bruce Glasgow's new game, Fantasy Realms. And we were extremely impressed. Yeah, that was 
super super cool it's funny we are we, we messed up the rules even then <laughs> in a way because we played with two players instead of you know it's supposed to be three to six right we just like used the three player rules and just played with two and that's it but i mean even then if even playing the rules like that incorrectly in a game that's supposed to be like three players and playing with two and we're really enjoying it I am really looking forward to how it with more, like three to six. That sounds amazing. Yeah, absolutely. It's super interesting and complex, but not overwhelmingly so. There's a learning curve while you learn what the cards do, because mm-hmm. at the core of it, it's set collection, except that each different card is completely unique, as yeah. opposed to being, you know, five copies of one card. Every card interacts with a bunch of other cards in very unique specific ways so there's definitely a period where you kind of have to learn okay that's what this card does that's what this card does and you have to know what it is that you're looking for mm-hmm. but once you get over that hurdle which happens pretty quickly yeah the game is such a blast and it's so complex without being completely overwhelming exactly and i mean you're just looking at all these really cool cards and they each have something slightly different and you have to pay attention to everything and it's a hand building game which is something that is quite unique I've ne- i haven't heard of anything like it i mean you're pretty much just trying to have the best hand at the end of the, the game i mean it's not that much different than tableau building game, except for that it's all secret right and actually the the thing that you know it made me think of the most was actually gin rummy Mm, yeah yeah um, and, exactly. and other you know sort of traditional card games yeah. as opposed to anything that you know we might consider more of a, a hobby card game so yeah. that was interesting it was a fun callback to sort of you know when i was younger <laughs> playing that with my aunt and uncle so that was definitely an exciting game we're looking forward to playing it with the proper rules yep looking forward to playing it with more people and it's preliminary at this point but we definitely recommend it i think to yeah. uh, anyone who asks yeah, for sure, and I can't wait to try it again. We'll, we will let you know pretty soon with a review of that, how we think when it, we play it with more p- players or proper rules and all that. For sure. And there you have it. That's a look at what we've been playing. Sir, they have a fortified position behind the poison ivy fence. No matter. We'll overwhelm them with the water balloons. Everyone... Charge! Just careful of the Lego landmines! <laughs> Welcome everyone to the high stakes and dangerous world of Battle Gnomes. The battle for gnome glory taking place on households across suburbia as In gnomes. In every cul-de-sac. This is happening, you just don't know it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Battle Gnomes, we mentioned actually last week on the podcast. This is a, a game by a company called Brainum Games, who... Um, the the lead designer, Tiffany Branham, we met at WashingCon. She was kind enough to give us a copy, and we have played it, and here's what we have to say about it. And yes, even though we got this for free, we will do our very best to be very unbiased in, in terms of the game. We treat most games the same in terms of where we got them, and just give you a very good review. We do our best. So first off, let's talk about how this game is played. It is pretty simple in general. You have a few different components. You have your gnomes, so you've got your fighters, pretty much. Right. And you can have up to four of them in your backyard. And uh, you can also have other cards that are in your backyard, uh, things that include yard items, which are just things that are part of your backyard, mm-hmm. like the poison ivy fence that we mentioned earlier. And then your gnomes can be equipped with either weapons or defensive items. 
And these are going to give bonuses to your gnomes whenever they are attacking and or defending. Right. And the numbers on all of these are pretty reasonable. Gnomes are going to range in base strength from 0 to 4, um, and that's governed a lot by what abilities are attached to them. Every gnome has an ability. Gnomes at the lower end of the scale have abilities that are either very, very powerful in terms of magnifying the effects of equipment or very useful in terms of giving you extra utility when you do non-battle things. So actually, it's not 1 to 4. It's 0 to 4. Oh, my mistake. Yes, 0 to 4 for the gnomes. And then at the high end of that range are people like the gnome Dresden who can't use weapons. So he's got a four naturally, and that's the reason is that he, you know, he can't use weapons, so he has to make up for it with huge base strength. Mm -hmm. Similarly, the items in play tend to range from one to three, zero to three, that kind of of spread. Um, So overall, even into the late game, the numbers stay pretty reasonable. Yeah, and so... In general, the way a turn works is at the beginning of your turn, you first check to see if you have at least two gnomes. If you have at least two gnomes, you continue on to the next step. Right. You may then discard as many of your cards as you want and draw up to your hand size, which is normally five, but can be changed by certain other abilities or gnomes. Mm -hmm. And then the third thing that you can do is choose one of three actions. The three actions that are there are first, organize. Organize means play your cards, so weapons, lawn items, and defensive items and things like that. Play them on your gnomes, as well as possibly moving the items around from gnome to gnome if you want to do, and playing other kinds of non-battle actions. Right. So these can do different things. They can do things like taking cards from the discard pile, taking, uh, drawing extra cards from the deck, anything like that. The second action that you can take is that you can recruit a gnome. So you can recruit from the center. There are three gnomes available, and you just go ahead, boom, take one, and bring them into your backyard. The last thing that you can do is go and fight. Right, and battle is sort of the heart of the game. In order to win the game, You need to either accumulate three gnomes in your stack or be the person with the most gnomes in your stack when the gnome deck runs out and there are no more gnomes to be drawn. So when you enter a battle phase, you declare whether or not you're attacking. When you enter a battle phase, you declare who you're attacking and you declare whether you're attacking with one or two gnomes. And which gnomes those are. True. Yes. Also very important. The defender then defends with an equal number of gnomes. So there's no situation in which you can attack with two gnomes while another person only has one gnome to defend with. And there's no situation in which they can defend with two while you're only attacking with one. So the balance is built into the game and it's just about who has the better you know, set or gnome if mm-hmm. you're only attacking with one. Uh, Once that's been decided, attackers and defenders, you go back and forth. Each player has the opportunity to play items or actions that can affect the outcome. So at the basic level, items tend to increase your own strength or decrease your opponent's strength. One, two, you know, a couple points here, a couple points there. You're just trying to look for an edge. Battle actions tend to be a bit more spectacular, but also a bit more inconsistent. So you have some battle actions that will say, discard one of your opponent's yard items from play. Just completely remove it. So that's going to be a much more powerful, longer-lasting effect. But you do have to be in battle to use it. So 
you get the opportunity to use those items going back and forth, attacker, defender, attacker, defender, and other people not involved in the combat can also involve themselves, but only by playing items. Only the two combatants are allowed to play actions. And when we say items, we're talking about specifically battle items. So you can't like re-equip a gnome with extra armor and extra weapon or anything like that in the middle of battle. You can't do that. There are specific items, things like the Legos and you know a mud pie and other things like that that you can play on your opponents or on yourself to either you know take away strength or you know on someone else who's playing in the middle like boom uh, i don't want you to win so i'm gonna gang up on you and make sure that you, you lose more strength and so you can't win exactly combat ends essentially when both players agree that it ends everyone you know, has the chance to play cards until they're satisfied with the outcome or until they have no more cards to play. Combat ends, a winner is decided, the winner gets to take one of the loser's gnomes. The loser gets to choose which gnome, if there's more than one engaged in that particular combat. The winner takes it, it goes into their personal pile, and then they're one step closer to victory. Like I said, you only need three gnomes to be victorious. A single victory in combat is a huge step towards that. Exactly, exactly. So, in general, that's pretty much the game. It goes back and forth, people attacking each other, um, you're using your gnomes, you're recruiting more, you're getting making them stronger, you're trying to defend them as best as you can, and it's a fun game. I did enjoy it quite a bit. It's really cute in terms of the um, the types of things that are in the battle items and all that. Yep. I, I mean, I was already stating some of my favorites. I mean, you've got the Legos, you've got mud pies, you've got poison ivy fences, you've got lawn flamingos, you've got all these different kinds of things that you would find in any lawn. Like, there's even armor that's made out of a Coke can. Yeah. Like, it, it, it's just cool stuff. I really like the ideas. And then the other really fun thing about it is just all the gnomes. Mm-hmm. Like, every single one is different. So there are no repeats. And each one has its own, like, kind of personality, like, who it is. They even have a little blurb on it about who they are and the different abilities that are on there. So, I mean, you know, you have your... You know, a strong gnome Dresden who like, is carrying a cinder block, but at the same time can't carry any other weapons. And then you have other ones like Lily, for example. She's got no power at all, but she can give you, like, you know, she's really personable, so she can give you both a recruitment and an organized step at the same time. And they're all drawn very differently. They all, like, you know, have some kind of, like, funny addition to their, like, camo, who's, like, hiding behind, like, a little shrub and just, like, you know, peeking out from behind it. You've got, like, a skater guy who likes to go and fight alone. Shade. Yeah, Shade. Shade who's got shades and likes to fight alone. Oh, yeah, he's too cool for allies. Yeah, exactly. You know, he fights alone because that's cool that way. So they're just really cool. They're really inventive. And I really just like the ideas in the game. Yeah, character design and really just theme in general is absolutely one of the game's strengths. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's very unique. It's very fun. It's very playful. And it's also, you know, from a, a mechanical gameplay standpoint, it's very quick. You know, it's it's easy to jump into. It plays two to six. Obviously, as you get up towards the higher end of the range, you're going to run into situations where, you know, there's a lot of deliberation. There's a lot of king making. So that slows the game down a bit, but still, compared to a lot of other sort of, you know, quote, take that 
style mm-hmm. games. Yeah. Um, this one feels very quick, and there's always action going on. Yep. It's just fun to play, which, you know, yeah. if you're talking about a game, is pretty high praise. Exactly. And, I mean, one of the good things about this game is that I don't think you, you ever, like, don't really have anything to do on your turn. You're never fully out. So, I mean, the, the last game that we played, we played three players. Uh, it was you, me, and, and my roommate. And while we were playing, there was a time that you had no gnomes to your name. You had been attacked. You tried attacking unsuccessfully. Just wasn't working. Ended up, like, two turns later, you were at two gnomes with the rest of us. Yeah. So all three of us were up to two gnomes. And there was a time that, albeit incorrectly, we got me down to no gnomes. Yeah. But at the same time, like, you know, even then... I was able to get back like with most of the things. We corrected it and we retroactively corrected it. But, but even having just one known, it's pretty easy to get back up to a decent amount of power within one turn. Yeah. And I do think that's one of the game's strong suits is the fact that there are built-in protections to prevent you from taking advantage of players who are down. Two things really stand out with regards to that. One is that at the end of a battle, you draw back up to your full hand size. So this is huge in terms of being able to defend yourself against incoming attacks because battle items and battle actions are very, very important for being able to defend yourself and being able to sort of surprise your opponent. Yeah. And if you were tapped out, your ability to defend would be substantially decreased. But even without the drawing back up, there's a rule that says if a player has fewer than two gnomes in front of them, you can't attack them unless you also have fewer than two gnomes. Mm -hmm. So there's lots of protections built in to prevent a player from feeling like they're being completely kicked while they're down. Obviously, if someone's a front runner, they're still going to get dogpiled. But the scope of the damage that you can do to a single player in a single round of turns is low. And I think that's great because it prevents people from getting salty. It prevents people from feeling like they're not having any fun yeah. because everybody's ganging up on them. Yeah, and uh, th- there's actually one more you didn't mention, which is that uh, at the beginning of your turn, if you have less than two gnomes, you immediately get to take one from for free, not taking a recruit action. You just get to take one from the middle. Yeah. And I mean, I think that that is also extremely necessary the other ones protect you during the round but that's what lets you get your strength right back up getting that gnome boom right there you got it you're back to two gnomes do an organization step put some uh, armor and weapons on them you're you're golden yeah so there's definitely lots of great protections built in there another aspect of the game design that i personally uh, like even though it has sort of been to the detriment of a couple of players sometimes is that there's a clear trade-off between permanent investment and sort of accumulating temporary boons that you can use to overwhelm someone in combat because it takes an organized action to equip and to play yard items and to put permanent bonuses on the board and you don't draw up at the end of an organized action it's one of the few things that can really leave you defenseless relatively speaking you have what's on the board and hopefully that's enough to you know overwhelm or overcome whatever somebody throws at you in the form of temporary items but there's no guarantee and it does leave you without protection for that one cycle because you draw back up at the beginning of your turn so i actually really like that i know some other people don't but i do think it's it's a good sort of strategic way to force players to balance 
permanent bonuses versus being able to respond in combat. I, I mean, I agree in concept. I think that it is a really good concept for sure. I think that it is uh, great to have that kind of balance there. What I have an issue with, and this is, I think, going right into no game is perfect, is the balance. And I think in general, the, the game itself has definitely some parts of it that are very much unbalanced. And one of the parts is, to me, I think, based on the games that I've played so far, the proportions of the equipment items to the battle items is skewed when you're having a lower player count game. I think that it would definitely change if you were going to a higher player count, but because you're going through the deck a lot of times, you get to see a lot of the things again, and there were definitely a few times that we pretty much had a handful of cards that I couldn't use because they were equipment or other things that just weren't very good or weren't very useful at that time because I already had a fully equipped gnome force in front of me. And so that is a little bit of a balance issue, but there are more egregious, I think, balance issues. Yeah, one of the things that's come up pretty much every game that we've played has just been the fact that there are some cards, uh, some of them are gnomes, some of them are items that are just extraordinarily powerful and also very difficult to counter. So one of the sort of aspects that I mentioned earlier with the battle actions is you can destroy or steal or remove your opponent's equipment, your opponent's yard items, things like that, in order to turn the tide of a battle. And there's one particular yard item that prevents that from happening. Your items are unassailable while you're in a battle. And, you know, that sounds fine from a design standpoint. I think that's a great sort of unique item. I think it does yeah. a really interesting thing. The problem is that the deck doesn't contain enough non-combat ways to remove specifically yard items, specifically that yard item, yeah. in order to make it balanced. I think there are two cards that I can think of. Yeah. One is an item, one is a gnome, that can actually answer that card. And if the person holding that card gets either of them, then it makes it that much more difficult. So just there's a couple of other cards like that that don't really have an answer and i think that's something that could definitely be addressed just by adding a few more answers to the deck exactly so completely agree the balance really needs to get worked on that being said there are also a few issues with just the clarity of the rules yeah and that's things that i mean understandable there are some cards that are a bit unclear things like well, this is supposed to double the weapon uh, value of, you know, this a throne weapon. But what if I have two of these cards that I'm going to play in a row? Does it double the base value twice? Or does it double the doubled value? Right. Or other things like one of the gnomes has the ability to, during a battle, draw two cards and be able to immediately play one of them. Does that mean that it has to be a battle item or can it be any item that is drawn can be played at that time? And just the small things like that that, you know, pretty much reduce a little bit the clarity of the game and just the gameplay itself. Yeah, definitely a few issues there. But overall, I think it is smartly designed. And I think that having a simple and straightforward rulebook is a benefit in most situations. There are just those few corner cases where you're left with questions where, um, you know, an FAQ or a Narada, I think would go a long way. For sure. That being said, 
Let's talk about what we think. Overall, I really like this game. All the reasons we discussed, it's quick, it's fun, it's well-designed for the most part, but there are those few issues that make me say, this is a play it. It's got some balance issues, it's got some issues just related to this particular type of game. You know, it's not something that plays well, I think, with two or three is a little bit better, but really I think it needs four or more to shine, and that can sometimes be difficult. So I say play it if you like it, or if you have a larger group, lean towards buy it, but it's play it for me. I'm going to say pretty much the same thing. I did enjoy the game a lot. I thought it was uh, very fun and a unique view of the take that genre. I love the theme. I thought the theme was really great. The items, the, the work that was put into that theme, the unique gnomes and all that was amazing. And I really do value that in a game. The balance problems are there, and that can't really be ignored. But that being said, if you do enjoy take that types of games, I think that uh, you should at least play it and likely buy it. But I definitely say it's a play it before you buy it. All right. And with that, really quick segue into games that are similar, games that you might enjoy, and vice versa. Munchkin. Munchkin is the iconic sort of take that game. If you like Munchkin, we think you'll probably like this. It has a lot of the same inherent silliness. It has a lot of similar mechanics in terms of, you know, dropping enhancements onto either your board or onto your, you know, avatars, and then just going at each other. It is a little bit more PvP. Just by its design, you're not fighting a monster after you kick down a door. You're fighting each other, and it's also quicker. So if you like Munchkin, absolutely check out Battle Gnomes. And the other game that I would compare it to is Karmica. Uh, and Karmica is also a, very much a take that kind of game. It has a bit of a different style. There's a little bit more in terms of the push and pull in Karmica. So I would classify it as a little bit of a step up over Battle Gnomes in terms of like how heavy it is. But I think that uh, if you like Battle Gnomes, you'll probably like Karmica and vice versa. And there you go. That's our review of Battle Gnomes. Thank you, everyone, for joining us on another episode of Dragon's Demise. We hope you enjoyed. We're also super excited to see everyone at the screening of Tournament at the E Street Theater right here in Washington, D.C. That's going to be October 12th. That's a Thursday. It's at 7.30 p.m., and it's going to be super, super fun. It looks like a really great movie. We hope to see everyone there. Also tune in on Wednesday for our weekly stream and next week when we talk about tips for GMing RPGs.